How is everyone? Excellent. It's great to be here. As Pastor Kamar said, I am Amy Elliott. I'm a therapist, and I've actually been, we were talking about this, I've been on the teaching team for 13 years now. So it's been quite a while. So happy Mother's Day to everyone here. Happy Mother's Day to all the bio mothers, the adoptive mothers, the foster mothers, the step parents, the grandmothers, the any leader, mentor, guide, anyone doing this journey with kids, happy Mother's Day. We celebrate you today because we all know that parenthood is really, really hard. Who knows this? It's like way harder. Why does no one tell you how hard it's going to be? It's really hard. And nothing drives you to your knees in prayer like parenting. And the prayers change over time. If you're a parent of littles, the prayers are usually like, oh God, let him sleep. Please let her latch, right? I remember in the, being in our hallway and just on my knees, like crying, like, please let her sleep, God. And then they become toddlers and the prayer moves to, please let us get out of Target without them melting down, <laughs> right? Help, help people not look at me with disparaging looks because they're questioning my parenting. And then they go to elementary school and it's a whole new world because other children get involved. And I don't know about you, but when those other children are mean, you have feelings you've never had before. You've never thought of beating up another child. <laughs> and then you're like, well, you're being mean to my kid, right? And then they go to the fresh Hades that is middle school. And we'll just, it's middle school. It's middle school. They get through it and they become teenagers. And raising teens, I have two teenagers, is kind of like riding space mountain continuously because you get in and you're like woohoo and then it's dark so you don't know which way you're going and it's exciting and it's scary and you finish and oh, high five and it's so fun we're all alive and then you hear and the click of like oh we're going again oh oh we're going right I didn't know we were going again but we're going again that is parenting teens where you just think you've got it and then you're like Oh, I did not see that. Okay, all right, there we go. And then there's this next stage, this launching stage. Now, there's probably 900 books written about pregnancy and babies and discipline and all the things we should do. But how many books are there written for arguably the longest portion of parenting that there is? They launch, they leave, hopefully. That's the goal, right? They leave, and then you're not in their everyday life anymore. And so they call on a Tuesday and say that the world is ending and it's so hard and they can't believe it and you're just tied in knots and you're praying all week and then you talk to them later and they're like, oh yeah, no, that, that passed. Oh, thanks for telling me, right? Thanks, because I wasn't worried all week. And they grow up and you just, it's a different relationship. And so we are celebrating all the stages of parenting. I want to acknowledge straight out that Mother's Day is not a happy day for everybody. That this can be a really hard day for some people. So maybe this is your first Mother's Day, you've lost your mom, and this is really hard. Maybe you lost her a long time ago, and this is really hard. Maybe you've been trying to be a mother, and that hasn't been how it's turned out. Friend, there is nothing as heartbreaking as the infertility journey that's really, really difficult, and we are standing with you and praying with you. And then there's the unimaginable, those who have lost their children. 
And so we just want you to know that while we're celebrating, we also grieve, we also support, we walk alongside, because this day just holds a lot of emotions, right? And so if you're thinking, oh, it's Mother's Day, this is going to be a Mother's Sermon, I'm tuning out. This is for everyone, I promise you. We're going to be in Flash Theology. Uh, this is a book written by one of our own, Braden Brookshire, and he uh, wrote this book. Now, I am in the car a lot, so I was thinking, I'll get the audio version. I'll listen to it, and I'll just be right up, up to date. Well, if you look closely, the subtitle is A Visual Guide to Knowing and Enjoying God More. Let the record show that a visual guide loses something in the audio translation. <laughs> and so when I finally looked and I'm seeing the pictures, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a much better book than I thought it was. <laughs> this makes a lot more sense. And so Pastor Marcus kicked us off last week in this book, and the topic was God is love. Not just what are the characteristics of God, but like what God is, who his very essence is. God is love. And if he is love, and if he's perfect love, we know that perfect love drives out fear. So everything he does toward us and about us is loving. That means he looks at you and he could not love you more. How amazing is that? He looks at you and he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in my image and I love you. You can do whatever you want, but I will still love you, because that's who I am. And so today's topic is about God being holy. God is holy. And my husband and I were talking about that word, and we thought, that's kind of a word that feels far away now, right? We don't talk much about holiness. I think I picture like a pontiff with a big hat and the incense down the aisles. If you've ever been to a high church, high liturgical church, it, like that feels like holy. How do we make holy feel close? And the idea of holy is that we're set apart for a purpose. Sanctification is set apart as holy for God's purpose. And so when we think about things that are set apart for a purpose, perhaps the best analogy is a toothbrush. A toothbrush is set apart for a purpose. If you use my toothbrush for something else, I will be very upset because it's meant just for that purpose. Now I feel the need to say that each toothbrush is meant for one person only. If you share a toothbrush, that's a problem. Get your own toothbrush, right? It is set apart for a purpose. And just like that toothbrush, so are we. We are set apart for a specific purpose that God calls us to. God calls us to be holy just like him. And so we're starting with this question today of how do we make our homes holy? What does that look like to usher in holiness to our homes? We're talking all versions of homes here. So maybe you are an adult that's caring for your elderly parents. That is not easy. Throw in a little dementia, a little meanness sometimes. That's really difficult. What does it look like to be holy in that space? Maybe you're a student and you have roommates, or you're done being a student, but you still have roommates? What does it look like to be holy at home? What does it look like to bring holiness into your home? If you're a single parent, and I know you're thinking, I cannot do one more thing. Please do not give me one more thing. But if you're a single parent, you are bringing holy into your home. If you're with a partner and you're a partnered parent, 
or it's just you guys right now, how do you bring this holiness? How do we make our homes holy? We start by knowing it's not all on us. Isn't that relieving? Isn't that freedom? Like, this is not all on you. The only way that we can be holy is because God is holy. And God is holy and he dwells in us. His spirit, God the spirit, is in us, working in us and through us to enable us to be holy. That's the only way. On our own, we are toast. We can't do it. I can't do it. Maybe you're better than me. I can't do it. But God is holy and he gives us the ability to be that way also. Leviticus says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I've set you apart from the nations to be my own. Now, Leviticus is not your typical Mother's Day passage. Can we all just acknowledge like we don't really spend a lot of time in Leviticus usually. For those of you who don't know, the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, Pent Five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, written by Moses, and they are the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah. So Genesis is the story of the beginning, the Genesis, right? Then we have the Exodus, which is the leaving of the Israelite people from the captivity of the Egyptians, the Exodus. Then we have Leviticus, which is basically a bunch of rules. It's how to live as God's people in this time. And so the Israelites would have been surrounded by other people of other nations who worshiped other gods. The Israelites would have worshiped Yahweh, and yet they're surrounded by people who worshiped other gods. And so God said, we need you to look different. We need you to be set apart as holy. And so he gives ritual and ethical law. So Leviticus really delineates for us the ritual law. You get grain offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, fellowship offerings, all the offerings. If you mess up, this is how you make a sacrifice to make it okay. This is clean. This is unclean. This is what you can eat. This is what you can wear. It's all the things so that the Israelite people look different. Their rituals set them apart. Uh, we see this in modern day sports. You know there are sports teams who they do a ritual before they take the field, right? So you might have a football team who they all touch a, a statue or they hit a banner before they run out onto the field. So you know what I'm talking about? That's a ritual that binds together the team as one. It makes them different than those around them. Rituals are only crazy until you understand them, right? Anyone who's on that football team is like, yeah, of course you do that. That's the ritual. And so the rituals were enacted to make God's people holy and set apart. With the coming of Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is the ultimate atoning sacrifice whose blood covers all of our sins. That means if you mess up, you don't need a dove, you don't need a pigeon, you don't need a goat, you don't need a ram. You don't need any of those things because Jesus has done it for us. Which means the ritual law is no longer needed because God has accomplished it through the sacrifice of his son. The ethical law Still, take, still occurs. It's still the same. Nothing changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So who God is, the character, and how we should behave as his people, loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, our soul, our strength, our mind. That's in the Old and the New Testament. The ethical law stays the same. It's the ritual law that changes because we no longer need to be set apart in that way. So when people say to you, 
we don't have to pay attention to the Old Testament. Like Leviticus is so outdated. I wear linen and cotton all the time. I eat shellfish. We just, we can ignore that. You will say to them, oh, that's actually the ritual law. And that was meant for those people at that time. We no longer need the ritual law, but the ethical law still stands, right? Take that with you. Someone's gonna ask you about it at some point in your life. But that's what's important is to know that the ethical law, who God is, is always the same. How he operates, how much he loves us, how much he wants to be with us. And that's the great thing is that we're called to this holiness, but we're not called to do it alone. God doesn't look down on us from above and say, good luck, I hope you figure that out. No, in fact, God is set apart with his people. He's walking alongside. We do not journey alone. We're going to be in Deuteronomy today. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth fifth book of the Pentateuch. We're in Deuteronomy 6, and this is Moses talking to the Israelites. And this is what he says. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Here's the guidance. This is how you can live according to God's will. So that you and your children and their children after them, doesn't that sound like the song we just sang? And their children and their children. uh, After them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life here, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, That would be the promised land. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Feel them. Impress them on your children. Tell them. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up all the time. Tie them as symbols on your hands in everything you do. Bind them on your foreheads the way you think. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In everything you do, have this infiltrate your life. Now, there were some folks who took this quite literally and Jesus addresses it in the New Testament. There were uh, the Pharisees who decided to actually do this, to bind them, tie them, uh, impress them, all the things. And so they created these little leather boxes called phylacteries. And a phylactery would be worn around the left arm and would be worn over the forehead, quite literally on your hands and on your forehead, right? And Jesus says in the New Testament to the Pharisees, Pharisees, they uh, they do is done for, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Basically, they're doing it so people know. It's all outward. Look, I have the scripture on me. And what God is really saying is, you need to have the scripture in you. It's not enough to just have it on us. And so we are not called to wear phylacteries, although there are some Orthodox and conservative Jews who still do. We are called to have this in our hearts. Have you ever been in a Jewish home and there's like a little silver thing on the doorframe? That's a mezuzah. 
same idea. And it would have had, it has this scripture that we're reading inside of it. And the idea is the same. As we go, as we come, let the word of God infiltrate our lives. And we don't walk around with the scripture on us physically. So we walk around with the scripture in us spiritually, knowing it all the time. That's what we're called to do. We're called to know God is holy and then we're called to follow him in that. We have to go first. We have to be the first to commit to following God and his ways in our home. Deuteronomy says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart in all the ways that you are, in the explicit ways and in the implicit ways. Now, I say a lot. I don't know how much of it my kids actually listen to, right? They're teenagers. They come to church every week. I don't know how much actually gets in. I pray that a lot gets in. But no matter what, I'm just scattering seed all the time, right? That's just my deal. And I'm hoping that something goes down. So two weeks ago, I was preaching at the Scripps Ranch campus. And I'm saying the things, right? And we're talking, it was the, the sermon about the Holy Spirit. And I was talking about the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are God. Holy Spirit is in us, which means we have access to the power of God at all times. Pretty amazing, right? Like, that's amazing. Uh, and if the Holy Spirit is in us, then we can access the fruit of the Spirit. So one of the fruit that I was talking about was kindness. And I was giving really uh, practical ways to be kind, that we could ask for the Holy Spirit to work through us to show kindness. One of them was, when you're at the grocery store and you finish and you load your car and you still have your cart, go return it to the cart corral. Like, walk those 20 feet to do that so that the man doesn't have to come around the entire parking lot looking for carts. Or have you ever tried to pull into a spot and someone's parked their cart there? Right? Just kindly return it. Or if you're at a fast food restaurant, clean up the table when you're done. Throw your stuff away. The worker can do the deeper clean, but like, it's kind. Throw your stuff away. Open the door for someone. When someone is cruel or mean to you, return it with kindness. Have a great day. You can't say it sarcastically. It has to be real. Have a great day, <laughs> right? So I had given this sermon, and we are driving home. My kids are in the car, and we're driving home, and we're getting off the off-ramp. And we live off, the, our off-ramp's a really busy road, and there's a crosswalk with um, a bike lane, and the, there's often bikers. And so I, you know, as you do when you're going to turn right, I'm scooched up a little, and I look over, and there's a biker. And I'm like, oh, I will reverse to give this man a wide berth so he can get past us. So I reverse, and as he goes past us, he gives us the finger, right? I just, just preached, right? He gives us the finger. So we're turning, and my daughter rolls down the window, goes, have a great day! <laughs> so I don't know how he took it, but in that moment, I thought, oh, she listened. <laughs> she heard something, right? That was kindness. I threw the seed. I went first, and she heard it. And hopefully that's what we're doing. We're just going first in all of the ways, what we're talking about, how we're behaving in our own holiness so that those in our spaces can follow us. What I wanna do is I wanna create rhythms of holiness in my life. I want there to be things that are just so consistent and so natural that the kids see them and they follow them. 
Deuteronomy says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That's all your being, right? And we know that in the New Testament, when the guy asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? This is what he says, right? And then he adds, love your neighbor like yourself. Again, ethical law stayed the same. And so we want to do this. We want, with all of our being, with who we are, this is what we want to do. So in Braden's book, In Flash Theology, again, this visual did not translate audio, but when you look at the book, <laughs> these are some ways, this is like holiness training. These are spiritual disciplines that we can practice to grow in our holiness. Fasting is one of those. A lot of people fast social media, like around Lent. The idea of fasting is that if I'm going to remove something, I then need to replace it with time spent with God, right? If I decide to give up a certain food for Lent, when I remove it, I need to replace that time I would have spent eating it with time with God. If I remove it and don't replace, I'm just dieting, right? And so I need to make sure, I need to make a concerted effort that any time that I am abstaining from something, I'm really leaning into time with the Lord. And so if you're interested in fasting, a good way to start is like one meal. Just do a meal. And then during that time, either read the word, journal, go for a walk, just talk with God. That's a good way to start. You could also do sun up to sun down. Obviously, that's a much easier discipline in winter than it is in summer, right? When you're just waiting for that sun to go down. But try it. Try something and fill that space and see how God works in your heart and changes you in that moment. Worship is another one. Worship is not confined to the four songs we do on Sunday. Worship is awesome on Sunday and it needs to exist as every single part of your day. What is worship? Worship is not just the singing here, it's the singing in the shower. It's the singing in the car. It's the songs you make up for your kids. That's worship. If you are a dancer, use your body as a way of worship. That's true for athletes too. You're worshiping God through your body, through the gifts and skills he's given you. If you're a painter, paint as a way to worship. Worship doesn't need to look like just one thing. It's just praising God. Let it look like whatever it looks like for you, but spend time doing it. It's a discipline. Prayer and meditation. I talk a lot about prayer because as believers, I think we make prayer a lot harder than it has to be. Prayer does not need to be long. It does not need to be fancy. It does not need to be form formulaic. It does not need to be formal. Prayer is a conversation between you and the one who loves you the most. And because you know he loves you the most, remember he is love, you get to be you. You don't have to pretend, you don't have to look good, you don't have to be cleaned up. You're just talking to him. And you hear his voice and he hears you and it's a conversation together. We talk a lot about flash prayer and what flash prayer is, is just a quick prayer in the moment as you need God. It's a constant reminder that he is always available to you and you can always access him. For me, I pray for peace all the time. God, give me peace. Feeling a little anxious. God, give me peace, right? Give me strength. Give me wisdom. Tell me what to say right here, God. Just one line. God's already listening. God's already here with you. 
He just wants you to reach out. He wants you to be aware how much you need him. And he's so ready to show up. But that interdependence, that dependence on God, knowing that you need him. That's what prayer is all about. And then we have fellowship. We encourage everyone to be in a small group. I love my small group. Just last night we were texting because I have had this weird little cough uh, that I can't get rid of. And so I'm texting the ladies last night like, please pray for my cough. During run through, I'm hacking up a lung. And so help me not cough today, right? And if I cough, God is still good. But I haven't coughed yet. I have not coughed. Made it through the first service too. Um, but I love that. And we're a co-ed group, but the husbands don't often make it onto the text thread, so they don't usually know what's going on. But we stay in like, what's going on? What do you need prayer for? How's this going? How did your kid's thing turn out? How did that presentation go at work? It's fellowship. It's doing life together. And then there's studying God's word. God tells us who he is. He tells us everything we need to know. It's all right here. And so oftentimes we want to say, well, God's not speaking to me. God's never audibly spoke to me before. Never. I don't know what I'd do if he did, right? <laughs> but he's spoken to me a lot through scripture. And I know when I'm weighing a decision, I have to see if it lines up with scripture. When I'm trying to decide which way to turn or what would be best for me, I always revert back to, is this in line with scripture? And then I know which direction to go. It's a training. Paul writes this to Timothy, train yourself to be godly for the physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And Paul is a, uh, a father figure to Timothy. And so this is, has a very parental tone to it. He's guiding him and telling him how to keep going through life. And he's saying, hey, working out is great. We all know working out is great. But godliness has this value that's unsurpassed. Knowing who your maker is will be giving you the strength and the wisdom to make it through this present life and the life to come. So if we know God is holy and we're saying, okay, I'm gonna go first, I'm gonna bring holiness in, then we're saying how we're gonna do it. How are we going to bring God into our homes? What does that look like? It's gonna look different in all of our families just depending on what the makeup of your family is. It's from Deuteronomy. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. All the time. Basically, all the time. That's what it's saying. All the time, do this. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and gates. When you come, when you go, when you walk, when you sit, just be, just be dwelling with God, right? We're just sort of marinating in who God is. Now, I've told you a little about my family. I'm going to tell you what we do. I feel like I need to tell you we are in no way totally dialed in to have this online. We're a normal well, we're not normal, but we are as normal as you can be, right? If normal were a thing, family. So we are in no way the example, but we do do certain things in our home that I hope make a difference. So uh, in our quiet times, my husband does his quiet times in the morning. He does his devotions. He gets up real early and does those. I do mine at night. 
because God did not make us all morning people. Some of us, it's totally fine. And I feel like nighttime devotional people are really judged. I feel like all the books, right? All these books are like successful people wake up and do this. And I'm like, successful people wake up and make breakfast for everybody and get everyone out of the house. That's what successful people do. And so I have to read the Bible at night. But my husband reads it in the morning and then he sends a text to our little family thread. Right? And so he sends a text every morning. And I usually reply right away, you know, commenting or saying something. And then several hours later during class, so I don't want to know how she does it, but my daughter replies. And it's something, if you have a teenager, you know this, KK, right? KK, or good word, or something small, but she acknowledges it. And my son, I think it's so deep in him, he just probably doesn't have words for it, so he doesn't usually respond, because I think it's really right in there. And so, but every day this happens, right? And then another thing we do is we have a devotional on the place, the table where we eat breakfast. And so it used to be Bob Goff. Have you ever read Love Does by Bob Goff? Yeah, it's great. Short, one, one right? Just read it every morning. And now we're doing Tim Tebow. And so my son will sit there every day and he'll read the Tim Tebow. And I'll be over here making eggs or whatever. And I'll say, oh, what was it about? Nothing big. I do not sit down and say, how's your walk with God? Right? No. Are you kidding? No. I, how, what was it about? And he'll tell me what it's about. Right? Seeds. Seeds. Just trying to scatter them. And then every single time we leave the house, morning, noon, night, every time I reverse out of my driveway, I pray. And the kids know this, and they pray with me. If we have friends in the car, depending if they're close friends that know us, they're in for the prayer too. If they're not, I have no desire to make anyone uncomfortable. I pray to myself. I just pray every single time, because that's a ritual. That's a rhythm. That's what we do. I don't even have to think about it. And then at nighttime, we might watch a show. And if we watch a show before we even press play, we'll pray. Again, these are not long, pious, swinging of the incense prayers. These are like, hey, thanks for what happened today. This is what's going on tomorrow type prayers. These are super practical, but they're rhythms. They're rituals that we do. This is our own ritual that sets us apart, that reminds us of our purpose, that reminds us who we are. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, it's too late. I missed the boat. I can't do any of those things. It is never too late, ever. It just might look different. If your kids are off the rails and they want nothing to do with it, that means you're praying on your own and you're praying for them. If you have adults who um, have decided they do the whole, well, that's really good for you, but it doesn't really work for me, that's fine. Just keep Loving them. Show up as love. You don't need to tell them how you're viewing their lifestyle. They already know. You don't need to give them your opinion. Just love them. Right? Just walk in such a way where they're like, I like how you are in this world. I'm drawn to you. You're different. Because you know what that difference is? That difference is your holiness coming out. That difference is you being set apart as holy for a purpose. The biggest prayer we have for our children is that they would be confident in who they are in Jesus Christ. 
I can think of no greater prayer, that they would be confident in who they are in Jesus Christ, not in their grades, those go up and down, not in their friends, not in their athletic abilities. Everything else fades away. But if they are confident in who they are in Jesus Christ, that's life-changing. Have you ever seen a, purpose, a person that has a purpose, right? A person who has a purpose walks differently than a person who feels useless. And so if we as believers can say, we all have a purpose. There's a reason that we are here. We are here to love and be loved. We are here to show the world how great our father is. We are here to point the people to Yahweh and to tell them that they're not running this race alone. That's our purpose. And that's confidence giving. And like I said before, it's not up to you to do this race well or perfectly. God is always working in and through you. No one's salvation is your responsibility. You're scattering the seeds. You're planting, you're watering, and you are saying, God, grow this. Because I don't even know what to do this morning. I don't even know what to do today. But I am praying I am submitting this relationship to you, this parenting or this friendship or this coworker. I'm going to show up for you today, God. Use me because I can't do this by myself. And so because we know that the world we walk through is hard and messy, I'm going to pray for us this morning. Okay, so wherever you find yourself, just close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are love that you are holy and that you love us so much, that you call us yours and call us to you. We do not deserve anything and yet you see us with the loving eyes of a father. Lord, thank you for making us to love you. Help us to be holy in all the places and spaces you've put us. Guide us, give us wisdom. Show us which way we should go and help us to walk in it. In your precious name we pray, amen.